We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, back with another episode of our Ted Lasso rewatch. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Alex McDaniel, fresh off an Ole Miss victory. Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. Are you doing better than this episode makes you feel? Yes, like I would like to forget about this episode. I think that the Ole Miss game helped me recover from it. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Th- this is the first Ted Lasso episode where it actually took some some real mental recovery, I would say. Like, it, it's tough. We had to bring on a third party to help us digest this one. Uh, Adam, I mean, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on to talk about probably the toughest episode of Ted Lasso to talk about. I appreciate you shouldering this burden. Yeah, I was excited to really have a mirror held up to all of my insecurities and then discuss them with, with people. That's fun. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Adam, before we get into it, uh, tell the folks where they can find you, where they can check out all the stuff that you're doing. It is a, it is a wide variety. It's uh, we're, we're getting into NFL season. So week one on uh, at the time of this recording is on Sunday and we'll be in New Jersey for uh, the Broncos and giants on Fox. And uh, not soon after that, We'll start the major league playoffs. And then right after that, it's Chicago Bulls season. So uh, we'll we'll have a very busy schedule coming up in the next few weeks. But excited to start the NFL season. We'll be on every Sunday. And before I forget, Alex, what is going on at For the Win? You ask this every week. It's always the same thing. Just lots of content. Content. You, know? you, you got to make sure. So much what content. If, what if I asked you and there wasn't content going on? We have to make sure they always know there's content. That's true. What a shock, well, what a shock it would be if all of a sudden there was no content. <laughs> then I would just be a liar. Um, yeah. This episode would take quite a quite a downturn if she was just yeah. like, no content. Nothing, you know, one day, nothing new. You know, knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But I could see one day us doing this in like season three. Like, Alex is unemployed. That'd be really sad. <laughs> Womp. Anyway, for the win, lots but, of content. Lots of- <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a. This is clearly. I, I. I'm. I'm assuming that the episode has a lot to do with how, like, like 
nondescript we're being about everything that's happening right now, Alex. I think that's what's happening right now. Think, yeah. the, I'm blaming the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could, anyway, you can find all of that greatness at fgw.usatoday.com and follow us on Twitter at For the Win and all of the other networks that we're on. God, I'm so good at that. I'm getting better. You are. You're getting better every single week. It's just, it's flawless, flawless. A little bit of housekeeping on this podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Shout out to our producer level patrons, Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, and Kevin Frost. We also have a patron birthday. Shout out Zachary Shelton. Happy birthday to you, sir. But if you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, like I said, you get to support the show. You get to vote on movies and patrons choice topics covered by the podcast. The vote is out now for the October movie so so get your votes in for that you get episode notes so anything that i've written down that doesn't go into this episode which is probably going to be a lot because i wrote down a lot of shit uh that'll be on there on the on the patreon page and he gets stickers we have stickers for the show so check that out patreon.com slash big screen sports also a quick scheduling note there's going to be a normal Monday episode of this show next week, but next Tuesday, Alex and I, or next Thursday, Alex and I will not be doing a TED recap because I will be out of town. So the week after, the week of the 20th, we will probably touch on the episode we're missing in some form or fashion. We have not decided yet because why would we think about something two weeks in advance? That is far too far in advance. That being said, let's get into Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 7, Headspace. With things turning around for Richmond, it is time to work on their issues like Ted's discomfort, Nate's confidence, and Roy's attention. Nate's confidence doing a lot of work in that in that summary. Um, Adam, before we dive in, I want to kick it to you. I've, I've asked this to everyone who we've had on the podcast to talk about the show. How did you experience Ted Lasso? Were you a from the get-go like Alex? Did you catch it late? What was your experience watching the show? No, I was uh, a victim of the vitriol that Alex spewed out over the course of a long period of time to several people and the internet at large, uh, basically chastising them for not being a part of this show earlier. Uh, I uh, I was turned on to it by Alex. She, she's the one who kind of said, you need to do this. You need to watch this. And I, I, I you get people who say that all the time about various shows, good or bad, and I was kind of like, all right, yeah, 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 you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I got to a point where she's, she kept saying it to the point where I, all right, I believe you. Let's do it. I had some time. I binged the show within a day and a half. I think like a lot of people did the first season flew by and I, I was hooked and I watched it many times over and uh, watched episodes and scenes like everybody else has and, and just found an affinity for the show for, especially for the first season, just because of how uplifting it seemed and, and how there was a positive message for the most part, just about every episode. And there always seemed to be something to latch on to. And I fell in love with the show like most of us have. So that's how I was introduced to it. And and now I get the sense that it's like, I'm sure the writers have, have thought the same thing. Like you need to explore now. And when you explore and you get deeper, it is hard and it is difficult. And that's, I don't think that was better encompassed than the episode we're going to talk about. First of all, I- you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you were trying to say is thank you, Alex, for bringing yes. this into my life. Yeah, I'm glad you. Re- I'm glad you really read between the lines of that of that uh, of that monologue there. That was good. It's true. You really I mean, found no the, one really found spearheaded. The no one spearheaded the Ted Lasso movement like Alex. She she rallied the troops around this show. But like you said, it's like the writers have have decided to go maybe not in a different direction. But I think 
as much as we love this show and the positive uplifting uplifting messages and how you know we love it when an episode ends with Roy Kent walking out to she's a rainbow playing and stuff like that we would have likely eventually gotten tired of it if there was no real conflict and we yep. did have everything that happened in this episode i think was not a surprise I would say there very, very little in this episode that we did that the crumbs were not laid out for us to follow. Um, you know, as far as a instant reaction on this one, when I finished instant reaction, what the fuck, Nate? Like that's <laughs> what the hell, man? Uh, Adam, when you, when you finished up this one, what, as soon as, you know, credits roll, I would say probably like, unlike any Ted Lasso experience so far. Yeah. This was the hardest episode to, process in all honesty and there have been a lot of episodes where i have broken down and cried and i have thought about them for long after i i stopped watching the episode and i certainly thought about this for a long time and obviously re-watching it and taking notes and all that you really you know dive deep into it but i have never felt of the i don't know what 17 episodes of this show i don't think i've felt remotely close to how i felt when i saw the credits roll on this one it was not not even sadness because we've we've been sad before we felt sad moments at, towards the end of episodes at, at various points in the series but i was upset just upset i was hurt almost and i just felt bad i was angry at nate you know and, I, and obviously they closed the episode with him for a reason the same way they closed the previous episode with ted's issues to set up what's about to take place uh you know they're going into a semi-final this on the next episode and Nate's got this issue that he's dealing with the confidence or, or lack thereof and the projections that he's putting out there. And overall, it was the hardest episode for me to watch because I joked about it earlier, but it's true. Like this is a reflection of, especially for men, uh, obviously the, the, the three men that are at the center of this Roy, Ted and Nate, these three men all have incredible insecurities that are on display. And we all know that about characters. That's what make char makes characters interesting. Their, their flaws make them relatable. But all of these insecurities, Colin's insecurities were on display in this. Uh, everybody is just like holding up a mirror to all the worst parts of me. <laughs> and that's it was hard to process that after a while. But I, I think it was as impactful as any episode I've seen. Alex, when you wrapped this one up and you see because like Adam said, we've been it's left us on a sad note. We had the the episode where. I look back to the episode where where Ted and Michelle decide to divorce. That's very, you know, that's as as emotional a letdown as we get. But when we see a character who I would say pretty unanimously beloved in the first season, um, I don't, I don't, no complaints on my end about the character of Nate. We love seeing him get his come up, get get made uh, made a coach at Richmond. That was something that that we feel good seeing him be downright nasty. Uh, something we had seen hints of, but not not to this magnitude. Multiple times in this episode too, but especially at the end when you know when you wrapped that. What was? How did you feel towards Nate? Oh, I'm just so sad, and I think I've said this before. If you had told me last season that I would get to a point where I love JB and hate Nate, I would say that's bullshit. You know, I just couldn't imagine it, and I hate Nate. And here's the thing, though, we know we're on a journey, right? So obviously his father did not <laughs> appreciate him. And I don't want to condense it down into that simple issue. Cause that's something that I think gets made fun of a lot when the truth is, I think a lot of men who have insecurities, they can trace it back to their childhoods or their um, 
how they were raised or, you know, what they experienced in school. The thing about Nate, he hasn't just been insecure his whole life. He's been bullied his whole life. And so when you've been bullied and you finally have just a little bit of power, because bullying is entirely based on power, then you have two choices. You either make sure nobody ever has to go through that again, or you get revenge somehow. And I think like, that was my, just my first thing. Like we know everything will make sense and everything will work out fine, whatever. But at the time, like, that's all I could think of. Like, this is a man who's very deeply insecure. All it took was one tweet to bring him down. So I was bummed. Never read your mentions. Number one rule. Never, ever, ever read your mentions. Never name search. Nothing good will come of that. It's, it's, it's very relatable. And, and it's, I, that's why I hated it so much because when (laughs) I first started doing the job that I do and being placed on a, on a, on a position where you have some people watching you and not necessarily constantly critiquing or criticizing you, but everything you absorb when you watch things now in this era of anything, sports, content, videos, music, whatever, you're naturally, because we're, we encourage criticism, we encourage expressing your thoughts on things. And you can do that. So like Alex said, some people are bullies with that power. That's a power that people have to express their thoughts in a public forum. And like Alex said, you can either be a bully about it or you can be encouraging about it. And I'm sure there's a, a, a lot of space in between. And for me, I never wanted to make anybody feel as bad as I felt when I would read a tweet, one tweet that made me feel bad about like what I did on TV that day or what I looked like or what I wore. It's very easy to get sucked in to if 10 people say, say something about you and nine of them are positive, it's way easier to get sucked in by the one negative thing that you see. And he's got the hashtag Nate Shelley and he's like looking for his name and everything is positive. And there's like women that are saying nice things about him. And then Joe man six or whatever the hell the guy's <laughs> name is brings down his, this entire house of cards crumbles. And that goes to show you how vulnerable Nate really is trying to process all this stuff. Yeah. There's a bunch of lovely five-star reviews at this podcast. I would like to thank everyone who has left one. You folks are great, but there's a couple one-star reviews that are extremely painful to read hate like it sucks it sucks no matter even if you know it's just some troll someone who doesn't like you personally like it's it's tough um with nate it's really interesting at the end of this seeing the both seeing what he says to colin which is very hurtful very very rude and then will the kit man which is is they're violent words it's awful awful to see the interesting thing with this show is we've seen two people be truly malicious with their words. That's Rupert and that's Nate. Yeah. And and we think of how we've seen those two people. We view Rupert as a very certain stereotype of rich old white man who has had his way and is, is just a scummy, miserable bastard. We don't really know much about him other than that. We don't we don't have this lens. Maybe Rupert had a really bad childhood. I don't know. Fuck that guy. But <laughs> with Nate, from what we saw, because lest we forget, one of Nate's main tormentors was Colin earlier in the season. Roy has to go yep. into a club and headbutt him with his with his blurry vision. Yes. To to get that to stop. And so the shoe is definitely on the other foot. But, you know, the, the innocent Colin that we've seen, the guy rapping Jumpman and talking about how he's, a, you know, a strong man. And this one, he was one of Nate's tormentors. But Nate has, you know, it, it's just like Alex said, like bullying just 
makes more bullies and Nate is responding to power in, in the worst way. And you see, you know, beard beard sees it, tells him to do better, but there's, there's some more deep seated issues in this one. Yeah. I don't just knowing what we know about the show. I don't see a scenario where Nate is not saved in some form or fashion in our eyes, or this is not, you know, remedied, but Alex, I, how, where do we go from here? with Nate how does this get this get addressed because I mean he had I mean imagine not doing what Beard tells you to do that's tough well you notice like the first thing he said when Beard brought it up was you didn't tell Ted did you and that was his first concern because Ted has kind of stepped into this father position for him and he adores him and he knows that if he were to disappoint him it could be bad and you know so the fact that he retaliates against Will the only person he can kick around that isn't on the field you know that isn't public i think that says a lot i think we're a little far removed from him having a breaking point but i don't think it's as simple as him waking up one day and apologizing he's got to come to terms with his relationship with his dad and just the insecurity issues he has in general and you can't do that i don't want to say you can't do that on your own but you can't do it without doing the work to do it it doesn't just click one day and so there's going to come a point where i think there'll be a breaking point i just don't know when it's hard to process it with Nate though, too, because you're seeing the pieces. You're like, all right, well, his dad isn't very attentive. He doesn't really encourage him. So that's clearly something that they're trying to establish. You mentioned the Ted Nate relationship of being essentially a father son, like a met or a mentorship type of relationship that they have. So that's the one he, those, those two relationships are the ones he clearly values the most. His mom kind of dotes over him. You know, like my one, my wonder kid and like my, you know, he's like, you know, bringing him breakfast and giving him a kiss. And I like clearly his dad, that, that, that father son necessity that he seemingly doesn't have is going to have to manifest itself somehow. I think it's going to have to come to Ted. I think if we're projecting forward and, and I, I hope the same thing that you guys hope that there is some form where he's saved and, and kind of uh, makes amends in, in the proper fashion but it's going to have to go through Ted because clearly that's the guy that's, that's the person that is the closest to him, to a father that the, the type of father that he clearly wants the encouraging attentive will be hard on you if need be type of thing like that. He needs that. And he clearly doesn't have that. So I think it's going to be up to Ted to try to save him. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely agree. So best scene in this one. And for once in a Ted Lasso episode, the the best scene in in the episode might not exactly be your favorite scene in the episode. It might yeah. not be the one one you want to revisit. So, Adam, as the guest, you have to go first. <laughs> what to you is the the best Pick scene? One. There's a lot of oh, there's lot so of many ones in this in this episode. There's really really good stuff here. Everything's really subtle in a lot of scenes, and then it's out like outright intense in some of these scenes. I I thought the doc. Uh, the doctor and Ted scenes. I thought uh, those were phenomenal. I really enjoyed their three interactions. All three of them were really good for very different reasons. The physical comedy of the first one, how awkward Ted is trying to navigate it. Like there's, I, I, I know Alex knows this, the rule of three in comedy, right? If you do something three times, that's about the maximum you can do something before it stops being funny. The comparison of the rule of three is the rule of 100. You keep doing it until it just gets to the point where everything he does is funny. And he kept stretching out this physical comedy bit to the point where finally they they pay it off. I'd be like, all right, I'm not doing this. And he just leaves. He's playing with the birdies. The thing on the couch is great. Incredible. That's really good. Like, I don't know what modern day physical comedy 
is supposed to look like. That to me is modern day physical comedy. It's not a pratfall. It's that what what Jason Sudeikis did in that scene. I love that scene. The second scene between them is is great. How angry he is. He's clearly taking out his frustrations from couples therapy with Michelle on on on, on the dock, and she recognizes that. The third meeting, the the final one where he recognizes that he's scared, he's afraid. That I love. That's my favorite scene in this in this episode. I, I just really appreciate anytime Ted comes around to something because he's so positive and you root for him and everything he's going to do is probably going to be or most of what he does is probably going to be perceived as good. He's a good person. He's a good man. He's a good friend. A good coach. So good is going to resonate from him and and radiate from him. So to see any time that he comes around to some realization that makes you realize how flawed of an individual he can be. That's really powerful when a, when you have a lead character like that. So there were so many good ones, but but that last one between uh, the doctor and and Ted was was probably my favorite scene in this episode. Alex, that second session between Ted and the doctor when he when he has that outburst, we haven't we haven't really seen Ted be outwardly agitated towards someone and be that direct aside from that one time where Nate knocked yeah. on his door in Liverpool, caught him in a, he was, he was, a and he was drunk. Moment. Yeah. Yeah, he was drunk. Yeah, exactly. So Alex, when you saw that, when he, that's the first time we've seen Ted really let loose on, on anyone in a, in a real, in a non lead tasso. What was, <laughs> you know, taken away from, from that, what was your reaction of seeing Ted finally, you know, open up and show us some of that scar tissue? Well, I think that was the reaction is, you know, it's negative and obviously that scene doesn't end well, but it shows that he's starting to break down, right? In a good way. He's starting to open up. Like he may not trust her as much as he should, and he might still be skeptical, but he wouldn't allow himself to be like that around somebody unless he felt like he could, you know? And so, you know, but I'm an optimist. So that was my first thought. And it's, I don't like seeing him like that, but the thing is, everything we love about Ted is also a lot to do with what I think is contributing to his problems. He wants to fix everybody and everything with this can do attitude. And he wants people to do it on his own or with friends and care about everybody and try to fix it and be positive. And that's just not life. And it doesn't work that way. And I think he's starting to come to terms with that. And he's also working through those deep seated issues with the the concept of therapy in general, which he, you know, he touched on with beard earlier in the season in that, you know, he had such a bad experience with that, that he's, you know, he's, we've seen he's, he's clearly against the entire profession, which he makes very, very clear. And I, I love the analogy that, that, um, that the doctor brings to him and kind of puts in front of him because if there's one thing that Ted cares about as much as anything in the world, it's his players. And it's how, you know, not, not his player, not winning games. It is how his players feel. It's been, it's been his entire mantra. And she was able to, you know, do the whole field analogy, um, you know, get it on, get it on his level. And I think that's going to be really effective. It's going to be really, I think, rewarding for us to see Ted go through that. The show has been such a great commentary on, you know, it's okay to ask for help and the importance of, of just feeling okay or acknowledging that you feel sad. And so I think this is going to be something really rewarding for us as a viewership to watch, you know, to watch Ted go through. That's how I felt. Like the first time I went into a therapy session, it was very much like those, that, that first session that Ted walks in, because I didn't know how, like, I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know what you're supposed to do. And I think Ted's kind of like, all right, here's the office and here's the couch and here's the person that I'm supposed to talk to. And he keeps asking, so what do you want me to talk about? Or when did we start? We started when you walked through the door. And I, I understand that like the hesitance 
like of of walking into a situation like that it real therapy really is just shutting up like and letting patients like sit in their own insecurities and that's what that first session is that's what the second session is that's clearly what the third session is when ted comes around to the realization that he's kind of fucked up like it's it, it, all of that is very relatable the first time you go in you just start talking that's what therapy is you just need to put stuff out and get as much out of it as uh, get as much out as possible so then you can start to see the pieces of this puzzle and try to put it back together and and he is very hesitant to do that and that's a very relatable feeling but it's you know I, you can already see the breakdown i thought alex put it very well alex what was for you the best scene in this one I'm I'm tied like I'm torn between the um the oh no we're gonna have to talk about (laughs) oh no but I think it goes together so (laughs) I think the fight scene between Roy and Keeley as much as I hate it was such a realistic such a realistic way of looking at relationships and even perfectly healthy ones when there's too much togetherness you know like when you're around somebody and you're not able to have your own space or they're not able able to have their own space. And obviously I love the bathtub scene too, but I think like they feed into each other. You notice when everything blows up, which first of all, I have a whole sex in the city rant to go on. So remind me, but when she blows up on him, he doesn't even get mad until he realizes she was talking about it. Now he's embarrassed. So his issue isn't even like, I'm sorry, or I didn't realize what I was doing. He's mad because he's embarrassed by it. And, you know, for Roy, for him to be as clingy as he is, I'm not I'm not saying like, oh, that's so good for him. He needs to do that. I'm just saying it is a sign that he's his walls have come down with her, at least, and that he can be vulnerable. But that doesn't always mean that it's the right thing to do or that it's the healthiest thing to do. I think there's a lot of that, like between the, I think the word you used was embarrassment. There's a lot of embarrassment for Roy. Like he said, he even says, I'm an idiot. And I, I was talking to Alex about this when we first watched the episode I I said um I thought he was going to apologize because Roy is very like the opposite of toxic male masculinity he's very aware and like he he want he's clearly growing he's grown a lot since he started being with Keely and I thought he was gonna say when when he said I'm an idiot I thought he meant I'm so sorry I didn't mean to like do that to you but that's how quickly these things change. Colin, it happens to Colin. It happens to Sam when, you know, like he's waiting for uh, the three dots. It happens to Ted. It happens to Nate. Every like male embarrassment manifests itself in a lot of ways. And we saw the main way that it manifests itself in its anger because you don't know your brain just shuts down. And it was very clear that male insecurity, embarrassment, uh, Pat, like the passive aggressiveness when after Keely and Roy have that fight, like that, that was a really funny moment too, where she's like, Oh, great follow-up question, babe. The oatmeal wasn't very good. Like I enjoyed that and they played it well, but that's passive aggressiveness and anger. And all of this stems from embarrassment. And that, I thought that was the perfect word that you used. Yeah. I mean, embarrassment is the thing that really sends Nate over the edge at the end, because a lot yeah. of what he's doing and what we've seen is just, uh, you know, of someone who has been bullied you know, come, come into power and start lashing out the way that he was bullied. But at the end, it is the, the thing with the wonder kid Jersey that truly embarrasses him. And And it wasn't meant to be embarrassing. It was like such a sweet, like such a sweet gesture. The thing is he cannot, this was very similar. I thought in the, and cause he's refusing to, to admit that he actually didn't say wonderkind. 
very similar yeah. to I don't know if you guys the last four years or the last, you know there was that guy who was around who was very very unwilling to admit whenever he was wrong whenever he said something that was incorrect and he lashed out would say you know insist that we did not hear what we heard and would would make a mockery and bully anyone who said otherwise and and that's kind of what Nate did he was so he's so insecure with how he feels about himself he's so insecure with that tweet setting him off that he refuses to to laugh at himself and that's a real it's a real problem it's it's a problem in with men in general it's a problem with people in general if you can't laugh at yourself it's 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 going to manifest itself in really ugly ways and that's what happens with Nate at the end Okay, can I go on my Sex in the City rant really quickly? By all means, the, the it, we're waiting for us. It. It Patiently waiting. So you know she's watching an episode. I don't know if you guys have you guys haven't seen it. Okay, uh, I was I was filled in on on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I filled Adam in too, but I just yeah, just to give you some scope. So you know the whole thing about Carrie and Big. You guys probably know enough to know she was on and off with this guy throughout the whole series, and they finally get married, even though he leaves her at the altar. He was not a good thing for her. I've seen but the movie she, a few times. Yeah, okay. Very toxic relationship, very as toxic. Alex, Alex indicated to me. This is a very toxic relationship that they have. Yeah. And so ever since I finished the series, which was years ago, and I don't really watch it much anymore, I've said, and I've said this to Adam many times, like, you know what? I'm always team Aiden. I love Aiden. I went back and watched his episodes this week, and he's just as bad as Big, but in another way. He won't give her any space at all. He buys her apartment. There's a whole story behind that. He buys the apartment next door and is knocking down the walls so they can be together. He resents her for wanting space. He resents her for wanting to spend time with her friends. He wants to like spend vacations with her in this cabin upstate. He does everything big did by being dismissive. He does it by being smothering. And so I'm hoping they just use this episode as like a parallel to show how she's relating. Cause I mean, it's a classic trope, right? Everybody's a Carrie or a Miranda or something, but you're not exactly seeing Carrie with like the good guy here. You're seeing her. She settled for somebody who was nice because she was with someone who was mean for so long. And yeah. Aiden wasn't right for her. He was just nice. And that's kind of a theme we see going on in this season anyway. But I just thought that was really interesting that they use that. And I hope it's not foreshadowing because well, she dumps I want to like be able later. I want to be able to give you the floor again on something, on a theory that you texted me that, that ruined <laughs> <Which> my <one? laughs> morning. <laughs> ruined my morning when you texted me because one of my favorite favorite scenes that had a little less emotional weight was when they're when Keely is sneaking cigarettes in the boot room, which mm-hmm. I one absolutely shocked that Ted did not make some sort of like smoking in the boot room, smoking in the boys room. Just, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that was just maybe that was that just was, a missed opportunity for the right. I mean, staff. that maybe, was teed you know? up teed up for Tez right up his alley. <laughs> but um, Alex, I know you had had texted me a theory relating to Keely picking up old bad habits, uh, smoking cigarettes, and there another uh, bad habit of Keely rolls yeah. on into that boot room towards yep. the end. I know where she's going. So, so ruin uh, everyone else's day. <laughs> Just want to chime in before you finish this. Another thing about Carrie on Sex and the City, Aiden told her she had to stop smoking or he wouldn't be with her. So she would have to sneak around and smoke. Interesting. Par- another interesting parallel, man. Yeah. Just want to say though, Roy walks in and she's like mid heater and it doesn't fade. Yeah. Him, yeah. So. Yeah. But, but still, but I like, I do like the parallel though. It like all these. Yeah. It's very yeah. solid. I like that. So it's not, a, I don't, it's not that I'm saying this is going to happen. I'm saying I could see it playing out this way. Like 
when you feel smothered or you feel otherwise not taken care of, I guess, in a relationship, it's very easy to just fall back on old habits that you either have as like had as a single person or just as somebody before you're with that person. Right. Because it gives you some ownership. It feels like you have control over something and you're not, you're an individual. You're not just part of a couple. So, you know, I just, I just don't feel like she and Jamie were clear cut with their ending. And there are a few clues that kind of tip me off to that. So when Jamie sees her in the coffee shop, like when he first comes back and he says he's been following her around for an hour and he says he deleted her number, like she could have just let that go, but they made it a point for her to like, look at him kind of like, you gotta be joking. You deleted my number. She's clearly hurt by that. And even though they probably weren't right for each other, I think it's hard for anybody to, if you have a bad ex and suddenly he like becomes a good person, there's nothing more annoying. There's nothing more annoying. It's like, really you, I did all of this work and you gave me nothing now, you know, so I'm just saying that could be a play there. I also think Jamie in his heart really cared about Keely, but again, he was so tied up in himself that he didn't even know how to behave and he didn't know how to be a good boyfriend. I'm not going to say he's not still, you know, holding a candle for her. And it's a, yeah, I'm not saying they're going to cheat on each other for the record. I think it's relative though. Right. Like, like how you feel about like if you, you and all three of us had to pick somebody, we'd pick Roy in a heartbeat right now. Like at this moment, like, yeah, Roy's the better person. He's more put together. He's like, got a, like he's got a, a good head on his shoulders, all that stuff. He didn't have sex with someone in a bathroom on a reality show like <laughs> exactly. three months prior to all this taking place. Exactly. So just another notch in the Roy column, but like it's, it's relative. It's the same way. Like if it's been 75 degrees for the entire you know month and then you walk out and it's 60, it's going to feel cold. You're going to want a jacket. If it's been 20 degrees out and all of a sudden it's 50, you're going to feel like you can wear shorts outside. It's all relative. And Roy just seeing some flaws in him, despite, you know, the episode starting on him being him and Keely being this really like healthy, we love each other. They're playing. I got you, babe, at the start of the episode, like to set the tone, which Juno Temple did a, was was great in this, Alex. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's a Groundhog Day reference, but go ahead. Yeah, but but like I just like I like that there was this sense of, you know, like, I think you mentioned it earlier. There's cracks in Roy there. There's there's these holes that he's still trying to figure out and fill. And relative to that, oh, look at Jamie. He's still handsome. He's still doing well. And now look at all of these emotional improvements and he's being a better teammate and, and he's more introspective and look how kind he was to Keely the first time. He's going to seem so much more appealing all of a sudden because his baseline was so much lower and his it seems like his ceiling has exploded. He's got a very high ceiling now. And I can see, I don't, I don't, I agree. I don't think they're going to make a meal out of that, yeah. but I think there is something there because I've, I wrote down the word, uh, the term breadcrumbs multiple times, and I'm sure you guys have used that term many times with this show. Everything feels deliberate. And I think that's what Alex is getting at, too. Like, they don't do these things and put in the subtle looks or the extra camera shot. They don't do that for nothing. Like, everybody's very conscientious who directs and writes and edits these shows that everything seemingly means something. And that's why we can dive into all these theories that everybody has. No wasted space in yeah. Ted Lasso. That is the theme of this series. Let's take a quick ad break and get back with our funniest one-liner or joke. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. Funniest one-liner under the radar joke. I, I am gonna I'm gonna take the floor on this one. The funniest line in this episode, without a doubt, is Roy screaming fuck when he realizes the double meaning behind Jamie talking about space. That like that <laughs> gets me. Might not be the most clever, but Brett Goldstein's just like you see the wheels turning and then he screams <laughs> fuck as only as only Roy can. Just wonderful, wonderful display as always. Adam, what was for you, what was the, the funniest one-liner best joke in this one? I thought there were a couple of really good ones. I enjoyed um, Jan Moss doing the Cruyff. Uh, I'm gonna I'm mispronouncing it too. Like J- him and Jamie talking about, oh, I learned it from Pep. Oh yeah, he learned it from Cruyff. Actually, it's pronounced this. And then he calls him an Englishman. I just, I love Jan Moss's like <laughs> interjections. I like, thought we were gonna get laugh. more Jan Moss yeah. so far this season. They have, they're very, very just sprinkling him in there. They're, they're spread. Yeah, they're sprinkling him in, which I respect. Uh, but I, I did love that joke a lot. I thought the, obviously you never make light of pedophilia, but. I thought the pedophile line was really funny about uh, the, about uh, Picasso and Gauguin. So like just, you know, the, Jamie and Danny are like Picasso and Gauguin and like pedophile, pedophiles. He's like, <laughs> no, they're you know, like they're masters of their craft. Like I just it just caught me off guard. And it was funny because I thought it was, you know, because it was Colin. I think that's probably the, to be the funniest like joke, like the best written joke in in this particular show. Alex, what about you? This is so stupid, but it's the way JB says ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I could just like, I could listen to it on repeat all day. Love it's just that. so charming. I know, the, the, I know Alex will appreciate this. Anytime, anytime Coach Beard says bebe, and anytime I am oh, happy, it makes me, it makes me very happy. So he says game face bebe. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, like, what does he say? He's like, you're, you know, uh, he does the Vladimir Putin line, like hits the little ride. Darn I, tune I really, Vladimir Putin. Darn tune Vladimir Putin. I just really, anytime Coach Beard says bebe, it makes me laugh. <laughs> it makes so me happy. Good. I also want to give a shout out. So uh, Ted gives a shout out too. He says the jerky boys are a national treasure. You should give <laughs> yes. them a Google sometime. I have not revisited the jerky boys because I'm afraid that's something from my childhood that probably hasn't aged well, but I have some fond memories of, of huddling around a boom box, listening to a burned jerky boys CD, just cackling at like 12 years old. So that's a very, that's a very relatable dude thing. I feel like and I'm not. To, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the jerky boys. Um, there is, <laughs> there is one, I think I think it's Nate says this to to Colin when when Colin is coming to to ask Nate what the problem is or, or someone says it to Colin but he says didn't see you there Colin and Colin says it's the camo the camo jacket I, 
that's so endearing. It's another reason Colin is, and again, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that, Kyle. Like you made, that was a great connection about Nate being bullied by Colin. It was Colin and Isaac were like the two main guys who were bullying him. And now Isaac's the captain of the team and Colin's like this endearing, like kind hearted person. And I, I did love how he uh, forgave Nate and like Nate puts out his hand and, like gives him a hug and calls him boyo like that was really nice but i really i colin is super endearing and i just i really love the guy yeah yeah there's also a line in this one that is not a joke it's just i didn't know i wanted to shout it out i just didn't know what other where other place to put it when dr fieldstone tells ted that self-care can be scary yeah and it is resonate it's like it's true a line is is this show is uttered under you know many true lines the show is uttered but that one I, I needed to shout it out because I that was very that was like a you know that shit hit that was that was that was right <laughs> yeah. there for me. Fight or uh, fight or flight are both yeah. natural responses, and you just happen to do both at the same time. That was a very cutting line too. I'm with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I really hope we get we get more of a look in their sessions. Like I hope yeah, it's not something that happens off screen because I think that's like I said earlier, just really rewarding. Alex, what else about this episode worked for you that we haven't touched on? We haven't said the names Rebecca or Sam, I think, in this one. That didn't work for me. It was just, I mean, it was cute. It was cute, and I'm glad they ran into each other, but it's not like we got anything other than Higgins, who was wonderful and saying, why don't you just tell him the truth that you want to meet him, but you're afraid he won't live up to the fantasy inside your head. Which, like, again, just holding up a mirror to society. But, um... And then they run into each other and it's very cute, like very meat cutie, you know, it wasn't it was. just like bumping into your boss. That was like, we bumped into each other. It was like yeah. a thing. So yeah, it was. I don't know. What did you guys think of that? I just, I didn't put much weight on it because so much else happened. They clearly put it on the back burner. Yeah. I put, I, 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 I know I'm kind of jumping the gun, but that was why what didn't land for me just because I wanted more, like after the close to the last, episode like sam is in the car and you know isaac and colin are with him and he's like i'll put your phone away put your phone away and he's clearly like disappointed by it and he's rushing to the phone you know during you know early in the episode to look and like again the three dots thing really hit me as well i'm sure that every person who has an iphone probably has seen three dots and just gotten completely paranoid and insecure but that didn't work for me not because it's not cool and and it wasn't it it wasn't cute because it was I just wanted more. And obviously I'm, you know, we got plenty of episodes to, to go to work that out. Yeah. Someone who, who met their wife online, that huddling around <laughs> the three dots thing is, is very real. Wait, I'm, you I'm, did? Yeah. We met on Twitter. I thought I told I you I didn't that. know. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, I, I will give you the full story as soon as we're done recording. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, Table it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. It is a good one. Um, a couple, like one other, um, a couple other things that work for me. These are quick. Doctor Fieldstone is a comfy jacket queen. She always has. Great <laughs> yeah, just could true. just had to had to acknowledge that. Uh, Roy reads like my seven year old in in that he is a quiet activity that is not quiet. It is like how my seven year old reads or watches TV or plays video games. It is something that I am letting him do because I want him to not talk, and that just doesn't happen. And I love that Roy is also reading the Da Vinci Code, and, and just like the thing about the 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 thing, the belt that the guy wears yeah. that that uh, Paul Bettany's character wears in the movie is just is so good. And then it is so precious watching Kitman Will like 
he gets Nate that jersey because he wants him to like him. He has been trying to earn Nate's affection the whole time. And like, yeah, that is a precious little gem of a character. And that yeah. guy needs the biggest of apologies when this when this season is over. Yeah. Like I said, when he cheered, like he's like, it's just a really like Nate even said, like, and, and this was a really good job by Nick Muhammad, who plays the character, like everything he did was very subtle when they gave him the jersey. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it wasn't. It's not what I said, but oh, it's great. Oh, and I think it was Zoro says, oh, it was Will's idea. He goes, oh, really? And it was kind of like you could tell that something was brewing and boiling there. And you just and and Will still says it's just a really awesome nickname. So cheers. And like he's clearly like heart. That's a heartfelt thing that this kid wanted to do for somebody who's essentially his boss. And to the response to you just want to give the guy a hug at the end of the episode. It's tough. It's a very yep. tough watch. Speaking of Nick Muhammad, speaking of Nate, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. Alex, I think we've done what six, this is their 17th Ted Lasso episode, something like that. God. Every time what? our best supporting character is someone who made us happy, someone who had this banner, great episode, something like that. You could argue that in terms of like performance or which which actor did the most, like Nick Muhammad is doing a lot in this one. It is it is very it's a very challenging job that he has into making this character that we both feel sorry for. I think we still feel sorry for him and who turns in the most unpleasant moment of the series at the same time. He would not be my best supporting character just because it is. Ugh, but it's a great job by Nick Muhammad. Who is your your best supporting character for this episode? Um, I gotta go with, I gotta go with Keely on this. And I, yeah. I think it's just a woman thing. I think it's, if you've been there before and especially like the way she reacts when he leaves and you can tell she's been in situations where that means it's over. Like if he walks out, you're done. Yep. And even when she walks in the house to, you know, when he's got the bath waiting for her, she sees his bag and thinks, mm -hmm. Oh, he's leaving. Like he's leaving me. And I think, you know, we didn't really touch on the bathtub scene, but to me, even rewatching it, like I got something else out of it, which by the way, the playlist that he made is on Apple. So you can find it. What's it called? The <laughs> Roy's Sorry for Not Understanding uh, Keely playlist. So you understand. Is co also copied on Spotify as well. Heavy, heavy, heavy Sade on that uh, playlist, if you're curious. A yes. lot of Sade. So, you know, like this is just a generic example, but it's definitely happened to me before. When you're with a man who's not able to process the embarrassment or the insecurity and you tell him like, I just need some space, I need some time alone. Typical reaction from a person who can't process their feelings is they go away and they're like, fine, I'll give you your time. I'll give you your space alone. Roy does go away, but before he helps her facilitate like her time alone, he doesn't just leave her and say, fine, do whatever you want. He's very thoughtful. And he's like, I'm going to do something really good for her. And then I'm going to go away. And there's a distinction there with that, because whenever you hear space or time or anything, it's very easy to take it personally, especially when you love somebody, because it sounds like they're saying, I need you away from me when really it's not about you. It's about them. Like they need their time alone. And just that he went through all that. And I thought it was a really special interaction when like, he's talking about all the hair in the drain. She's talking about how bad her feet are. Again, they're like showing us this is going to happen. Like you can be in a really good healthy relationship but if you try to spend your time in your life with somebody like you're human beings and you're gonna have to either deal with that and talk to each other about it or you're gonna resent it and not talk about it and then you, it's bad news so i'm going with keely i thought it was great it's a great pick adam who is your best supporting character 
A lot of really good ones. I, I almost picked Jamie because I thought he had like really good lines. The, the peas and carrots joke when he's, when, when Ted's talking about the stew and he goes, you know, peas and carrots here, you beef chunks come with me and beard translates it to like, all right, starters there, reserves here. And you just heard Jamie in the back go, just say that then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I just really, like, so and good. that, that the, he, he, respectfully, that's not what he needs from me when he clearly is talking on another level or Roy is perceiving it on another level. I thought Jamie had great, some great moments in this, but I think at the end, I, 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 I want I think I want to lean coach beard. I really or, or uh, uh, sorry. Uh, coach beard was my second choice. Uh, I lead Dr. Fieldstone. I thought her scenes with Ted, cause that's the first time we've seen Dr. Fieldstone open up a little bit because she's just been this rock, right? Like she's mysterious. She's clearly supremely intelligent, speaks all these languages uh, is kind of cool. You know, we, we said she's got a, a mystery about her. She's cool. Like after they had, uh, won that match on the last, I think it was the last episode right before she finds Ted in her office. Uh, she's like, you get me for one drink and everybody's all excited. Cause yeah, we got her. Like you don't get a lot from her, but everything you get from her is like quality and there's import to it and impact. This episode was the most impactful for her. And she did a great job of continuing to be subtle and, like straightforward. There's nothing like you're, you don't have to guess with her. Like she's a really good therapist and a really smart person and clearly cares. And I just really enjoyed those three scenes with, uh, with Ted in, in, in a therapy session. I, I really thought she was great in this episode. Yeah. I'm hoping, I mean, I think we're definitely going to get more of her diving into those therapy sessions. I want to give a shout out to Higgins. Uh, one for the <laughs> line that Alex mentioned about, you know, <laughs> The, the whole, I mean, that he sums up online dating in a, in a right, <laughs> right away with, yep. with that thing, worried about living up to the fantasy. Uh, he also, in that same scene, says, my relationship is the oxygen that gives me life, which is precious. <laughs> and then in the scene where Keely is sneaking cigarettes in the boot room, Higgins is smoking a pipe. Which means yeah, Higgins yes. just keeps that thing on him. He's got, a, he's got the Bonkers. pipe and the jacket. Which is... <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> <laughs> He, he also, and I wanted to make sure we, we mentioned it at least once, because I know uh, as a former uh, all-state jazz singer, jazz choir participant and musician, the jazz scatting between him and Rebecca made me so happy. And it was so good, obviously, but it was just so nice. And I really enjoyed it. So they had to do it to throw Roy off the scent initially when he first was like, are you guys talking about me? And then when he leaves, they keep doing it. I just thought it was precious. Absolutely so wonderful. wonderful. Uh, Adam, what is what is something that you want answered in the next episode? Answered, address. What do you what do you want to see? I think all of us obviously want Nate to be you know his his issues and his anger and his uh, just bullying to be addressed uh, and his insecurities need to be addressed. Uh, but I, the Sam and Sam and Rebecca thing, I just I just want to see where they're going. Like, I know that Ted's going to be a work in progress, or you feel like Ted's going to be a work in progress these last five episodes. You, you get the sense that, you know, they're going to be, there might be more soccer. I'm guessing my buddy Arlo White will make an appearance for this next one since they're going into the semis of, of the FA Cup. But I, I really just kind of am curious what they do with Sam and Rebecca, because there just wasn't enough in this episode to give any clear indication. There was no cliffhanger other than, Oh, they had to meet cute and then that was it. So I'm curious what they do with it. Alex, what about you? Um, the one scene we didn't touch on, Trent Krim seeing Ted in the yeah. pub drinking beer and asking him and asking him for a quote, and he didn't get a very good one. Is about... that journalistically ethical, by the way? Because they're Ted's clearly drinking 
Trent almost kind of seems like maybe he had a, he had a beer or two at dinner. I'm not saying you can't talk to them. I'm saying you're getting an official quote. That's while clearly this guy's been, is that journalistically ethical? I don't think so. I mean, surely like we've all been there where you, people you've interviewed or are interviewing, doing a story about, you'll see them out and about if you live in the same community. But even then, like you have to consider like what state someone's in when you're talking to them. And I'm not saying Ted was drunk. He was on his second beer. But I think any time you're dealing with somebody who's clearly like not at work, they're not acting in official capacity and you're getting an official quote from them and they're drinking at all. I just don't think it's ethical to to quote somebody. Now, mind you, the quote was absolutely harmless. Right. I don't think it's the quote itself that I'm curious about what I think is going to happen, because naturally we're seeing Nate everywhere in the press. I think Trent is going to interview Nate at some point about his role. And then Nate is going to spill the beans about Ted being in therapy or having mental health issues or, or something. I think he's, I don't think he'll do it maliciously or it, I just think it's going to happen. And then even then, I think I'm going to have a lot of issues with maybe how they cover it. Because even then, like if you find that out about a coach, you don't just go plastering that everywhere. Like it's a very sensitive thing. And you know, Ted doesn't owe anybody an explanation outside of the people who employ him. You know, mm-hmm. and as long as he's not endangering anybody, as long as it doesn't affect any of the stakeholders involved, but as long as it's not, I just, I don't know what they're going to do with it. So it's, it's going to be interesting because the thing we know about Trent Krim is one, he has, he's the epitome of cool divorce dad energy, <laughs> um, which he rolls into that, that bar with the long hair and stuff. But two, like he is he is immersed in this team just as much as anyone else in the town. Like he takes it from a professional manner, but I think he's, we see him, he views it as his job to hold, you know, hold Ted accountable, hold, hold the, the organization accountable. And while yes, Ted, Ted dealing with mental health issues are no one's business, but his own. But I, I think you're right in that Trent, again, the show doesn't waste space. They didn't throw Trent in asking about that by accident. So he's working on something. Maybe I mean, maybe it is as simple as a, you know, is Ted really fit to continue to coach this team? Because while Trent, as we saw last year, Trent likes Ted. They seem to have a great relationship. He's not Trent is not the type to let a personal relationship get in the way of working on a story about is this guy fit to to coach this team, to, you know, to to help this team win. And so I hope they don't, I hope it doesn't dive into slandering Ted for seeking mental health. I hope it would be something of, hey, maybe they should let Nate and Roy coach, something like that. But it, it's definitely something that they are going to unpack. They did not include Trent Krim to just, just because we wanted to see cool divorce dad Trent Krim. Yeah. And I think we have to remember too, the British press is ruthless, even the independent. And I mean, look, I think they, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if they used every all the coverage of Meghan Markle to kind of inspire this and everything about her mental health issues and how she was breaking down inside the palace, how she wanted to kill herself. That was splashed all over every paper. And it wasn't in a tone of, oh, this is really sad. It was more of, look how she's ruining the royal family. So it's I'm curious to see if we get some sort of take on the British press with this whole thing, but... I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to wait the the three days to to watch this next episode. <laughs> I'm I'm very hard. eager. Y'all, this was a great time. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Tell the folks where they can follow you, where they can check out what you'll be up to this weekend. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be on Fox for uh, the 
uh, entirety of the NFL season on Sundays and looking forward to having Broncos Giants this week and uh, 49ers Eagles next week. So looking forward to it. And Alex, where can the folks follow you? What's on tap for For the Win in the next few days? Stop asking me that. It's content. Content. <laughs> content. So much content. Uh, going to be a lot of NFL content. Uh, we just launched our betting site, Bet for the Win. And so we'll have like a bunch of stuff on there too. I don't know. Content, guys. That's what I'm in the business of content. That's what we do. It'll be great though. Everything will be wonderful. All of the content. And if you enjoyed <laughs> this episode of Big Screen Sports, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review. Got a normal episode coming up on Monday. Again, as I said earlier, Alex and I will not be back next week. We will be back the week after catching up on the, the episode we missed and talking about the new one, episode eight and nine, combining that. So Everyone tune in for that. Also, if you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm that's presented by Baseball America. Dropped a great episode on Tuesday with the great Mike Rooney uh, from ESPN, one of my favorite people in college baseball. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you in two weeks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.